welcome to another episode of Around the Gavel. I'm your host, Sarah Morris, and I have a very special guest today. Her name is Allison Jung. She is a realtor locally in Las Vegas, and I actually have known her for quite a number of years. I want to tell a quick story, if you don't mind, Allison, yeah, sure. <laughs> about how I, I met you. Um, back, I think it was in 2013, I decided I might want to be a realtor. <laughs> so so I got my real estate license and I was going to a lot of classes just uh, to try to become more knowledgeable in the area. And one of the classes I went to was a class that she, that Allison presented and she taught about using social media for marketing and real estate. Mm -hmm. So I went through the class and I listened to her and I also, I was very impressed with her presentation and I actually ended up um, whenever I had a problem or a question for my one year that I was a realtor, <laughs> I called Allison because she always knew the answer. And she's very knowledgeable and she's been doing this forever, it seems like. So um, she's definitely somebody to think about using if you need a realtor. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you. It does feel like forever. Yeah. But it wasn't that long. No. <laughs> 2013, so that's what, six years? Yeah. Yeah. No, not too bad. So we w I just wanted to go over a little bit of your background. I don't okay. even know if I know all your background. Yeah, sure. So how did you get into real estate? So I started out uh, as an investor. Um, I bought my first property in New Orleans, wow. Louisiana, back in uh, 2004. Wait, 2004. And so I had a renter in there, two renters, and I, you know, rentals can really burn you out quick because the tenants can be problematic. Yes. And... Um, of course, I had the added bonus of Katrina Oops. and Hurricane Rita, but my house made it through both. We did get a new roof at some point, and um, I was living in New York City at the time, and I decided to move to Vegas mm -hmm. because I had a daughter, and she was probably two months old when I arrived here, and um, my mother was in real estate. Oh, I didn't know It was that. her fourth career. Okay. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> So uh, she encouraged me to get into it. She says, you know, with your sales background and your customer service, like you'd be great at this. So uh, I jumped in with both feet in 2007. And as you know, 2008 hit and we had the recession. So I really cut my teeth during the recession and uh, developed a book of uh, clients through the recession, mostly of investors. Okay. And um, over the last, now I've been in the business for 12 years, 13 years, and um, yeah, I don't really see myself do anything else, even mm -hmm. though sometimes I fantasize about doing something completely different. Yeah, but I think we all do. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been, um, it's been rewarding, and I think working with, especially first-time home buyers, is really mm -hmm. fun for me because, you know, I get to walk them through, through the steps of, you know, this is what escrow does. Mm -hmm. um, your, you know, are you gonna, are your parents gonna get involved? Are they gonna have a family trust for this? Because if they are, then you should call Sarah because she's <laughs> amazing. She takes care of all that stuff. So it's just really fun to see them, and then to obviously give them the keys. And you know, I, I insist like you have to carry your wife across the threshold. Aww. You know, just <laughs> yeah. funny little things like that that are really, yeah. yeah so so yeah, and I just want. I do want to note, it's, I think it's really impressive that you got through, you started in 2007 and the recession hit 2008 and you actually got through it as a realtor. I mean, that, yeah. that to me was kind of, is a, kind of a big deal. Um, and so at least I, 
the investors were out there buying up properties. Yeah, you know, I think I, I lucked out in that um, that was kind of the beginning of, of social media really kind of, you know, yeah, just I got a lot of business off the Internet. I mean, okay. you know, I was actually reading a book not long ago talking about politics and how, you know, social media has such an influence now and obviously with fake news and this and that. But you look back at, like, President Clinton, George W. Bush, even Obama to a certain extent, they didn't have the kind of social media influences that politicians do now. Right. And as, you know, not just politicians, but as us, as voters, you know, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. we, we can't help but be influenced by these things. Mm-hmm. And I think that for my business, um, a lot of people um, rely on testimonials. And so people see reviews online and... Yeah, and you you're know, on Yelp, you know. Yeah, I'm on Yelp platforms. and Zillow and Realtor.com. And Which, of course, you know, a side note, Yelp to me, I mean, we're not on it. I don't think a lot of attorneys are, but the thing with Yelp is you cannot control those reviews. No, you can't. You can't delete them. No. Nope. You just respond to them. So if and, you need to. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and I, I dare say that probably a third of the reviews that have been written about me have been hidden by Yelp, you oh, know? that's right, they do hide. And they've, they've got a filtering system, which I guess if you're not an active member of Yelp, your reviews don't show up. So if I have, you know, somebody who just moved into town and they were really happy with my services and they wrote a review, chances are it won't be seen if they're not active on Yelp prior to having worked with me. Because okay. a lot of people read Yelp, but they don't necessarily comment. Right. You know, they lurk. Oh, yeah, you that's know? me. I'll yeah. read it. Right. I don't say anything. Right. I do anything. <laughs> exactly. But I use it. Yeah. So I think if you check into places or you post pictures of stuff, you don't necessarily have to write reviews. But if you're not an active member on a regular basis, then no matter what you write about somebody, good or bad, it just won't get posted. Mm-hmm. Or at least the general public won't see it. Yeah. yeah. And I know you're very active. I mean, obviously, I... I was introduced to you because of social media, and I know right. you're very active on it. Try to be. Yeah. I, I know I could always get better. Yeah, every, there's always room for improvement. Yep, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, so you said you've been in real estate for 12 years. Do you have a, like a, a are you more, do you work more with sellers or buyers, or are you both more investor-oriented? Or is um, it? It's fair to say that at the beginning of my career, I worked most, mostly with buyers. Uh, in the last few years, I've been working more and more with sellers. This year, I've actually worked uh, with more sellers than I have buyers. Um, you know, it's a different kind of business, really. Working with sellers, you're obviously trying to get them the most for their house. Right. Uh, you're working with them and trying to stage the house, get it prepared, because the way we live in a house is different than the way we sell it. So. It's a difficult conversation sometimes to, to have with people when, um, you know, maybe maybe the house isn't very clean, <laughs> or maybe it smells funny, or maybe the furniture in the house is torn up and looks bad. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want that to become a focal point when a buyer comes into the home and they're no longer looking at the house. They're more concerned about the green couch that's got cat pee everywhere. <laughs> so... Yes, I can see how that would be a challenge <laughs> to discuss. So we try to, you know, work around that, or we try to like let's move that couch out, let's you know do something else. We try to and you help stage too. I know because yeah. I see I, I I see some of your posts about 
furniture that you use to state. Yes. So. Yeah. I've uh, been slowly collecting pieces of furniture that I will move from one house to another as needed. And um, nice. it's in my garage otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. See, so you provide a lot of services. I just want people to know that, you know, it's not just... I'm going to help you find a house, but or even I'm going to help you sell it. Sell right. it, but you have to also make sure the house is presentable and of looking the best, so that people will pay top dollar for it. Yeah, because so. most buyers they're not driving around neighborhoods looking at street signs, you know, and like calling the agent. They're usually sitting in bed with their iPad, and the pictures and video that we post is just so important because that's the first impression. Right. And if you're not impressed, you're not going to call the agent to go see it in person. And so I tell my sellers, look, it's really important before we bring in a professional photographer or a videographer that we make this home look the best it possibly can, you know. And I've had several of my recent clients tell me that after we've staged it and we've got it to the point where we're ready, they're not sure they want to sell it anymore. Say, are they now <laughs> thinking they want to keep it? Yeah, they're like, oh, I love my house. I haven't seen it like this since I moved in, you know, or whatever. And so um, to me, that's a really nice compliment. Yes. Um, but in most cases, people continue forward with the sale of the home because they're being relocated by job or, you know, family situations, you know, force them to move. Okay. Yeah. Or they have another house. Right? Or they have or another house. Yeah, okay. exactly. They're upsizing or downsizing or whatever. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so to tie this into law, since this is a law podcast, yes. um, I'm to ask you a few legal questions. Yep. Um, what is the most unusual or unique situation that you've encountered in real estate that relates maybe to a legal issue, if, if you can think of one? I think it's interesting when people um, want to buy property and not include their spouse. Um, there's been situations where I've had... A married couple, maybe they're not doing so well at that point in time, but junior is going to college and they want to buy a house for them, but they can't agree. And for whatever reason, you know, one spouse says, I'll do it myself. I don't want you in it. So um, that can be a touchy situation just emotionally, what's going on there. Of course, I try to kind of step back and let them, you know, work it out. But uh, in those cases, if you're married, you know, the, the um, spouse that's not involved does have to sign off on their rights to the house. Right. So they do a quick claim deed or what have you. I had a client in the past, um, in the midst of a divorce, tell me that he was going to pay cash for a property for his son. And he didn't want his wife to know. Like, he didn't want her to sign it. Oh, Nothing. I'm okay. not talking to her. He used all kinds of lovely names, mm-hmm. and he was like, she's not involved, I'm not, you know. And is there any way we can do this? And I spoke with the title company. They said, um, you know, we could put a cloud on the title, and that would force them to sign, mm-hmm. you know, when you go to sell it someday right. in the future. So that was an interesting situation, um, because in the end, they did get divorced, and they apparently don't speak and it's been probably you know seven eight years and um, he's since remarried and when they went to to sell it you know we had to make sure that all the clouds were you know cleared but and she had to sign off well and actually they they didn't she didn't because it was in the divorce decree oh perfect okay so So that worked out yeah goodness 
Yeah, because okay. he still said, I don't want to speak to her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's like, just sell the house. I don't, I don't want to involve her. So that was interesting. And then, yeah. um, you know, trust. I think that's where I usually go to Sarah for her expertise because it's just not a, a, you know, if anybody wants to form a trust to purchase a home or what have you, it's just not something I really understand the ins and outs of. So that's where I... Have to call it. Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Good deal. Yeah, yeah, and I know we've worked together. I mean, we've had some mutual clients that have uh, had trusts, or I've created trusts for. Yes, so. and then also, um, I have a lot of investors looking for a good deals. So sometimes they'll find property online that's cheap, and I'll look and I'll say, "Hey, wait a minute, this is actually a HOA foreclosure." So there may be, you know, a mortgage in place that never got paid off because mm-hmm. the HOA foreclosed right. on it. And it's not that clean. It's not like you just get to buy it and it's yours for sure. The HOA may come back and fight you for it. So, or the mortgage actually, right? Yeah, the yeah, bank. The bank the might bank. fight you for mm-hmm. it. So in cases like that, you know, again, I would consult somebody like yourself right. to say, hey, what do you think? Is this worth it? Um, every other house on the block is selling for 250000 They've got this one for 80000 Right. Right. So What's the catch? Because, I mean, when it seems too good to be true, it's usually it's too usually, good yeah. to be true. So, yeah. And, I mean, I, I don't even think you knew this, but we do do a lot of HOA foreclosure litigation um, where we represent the investor who is purchased at an HOA foreclosure sale. And I know you know if you purchase at an HOA foreclosure sale, the title's not clear. Right. So you can't get title insurance to, per, to sell it on the open market until you clear the title, which requires a quiet title action. So how long court. is that process? It depends on whether the bank is fighting you or not. And the laws have now changed, so there aren't as many quiet title actions from HOA foreclosures because before, which is where I've been dealing with mostly with the old laws, um, it wasn't, now there's a redemption period. So once the HOA foreclosure sale occurs, the bank has a redemption period to redeem. So I wouldn't, so I mean now, there aren't as many investors purchasing because the bank has time to redeem it. How long do they have? 60 days. So they have 60 days after the sale. So I mean, most of the, I mean, it's, it still occurs. I mean, I still have people calling and I have some clients that have purchased and actually the have purchased and the bank didn't redeem, but it's a gamble, you know, it's a risk. Right. So it's hard to tell if the bank's going to redeem or not. But if you're in, if you've got quiet title litigation and you're trying to clear the title, like you said, the big deal is making sure that the bank gets off title, that their deed of trust is removed. So um, in my pre-2017 statute uh, cases, that can take years because the law was not... it's not, it wasn't as clear as it is now. Now there's been a lot of Supreme Court decisions on the issues, so now we've narrowed it down and there's only a few issues left, so you pretty much know right away if you're gonna win or lose those. Um, but it was taking years and we're still in active litigation, plus the fact that we appeal, so I mean, it can be dragged out for years and years and years and you don't have clean title. And so, of course, the investors are at least getting rent. Right, right? exactly. So that is helpful and helps pay the attorney bills. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's not a quick and easy thing. Have Have there been some that, uh, where the bank doesn't redeem and it's just yes. quick and easy? Yes. Yeah, Because there is. now, I mean, and even before, uh, yeah, now there's the redemption period. The bank doesn't redeem. As long as you can prove that the bank was on notice of the sale, you're good. So it, it's going to be a quick and easy process if you need to go to court. 
pre the 2017, it's even if, I mean, it, the, the redemption period wasn't there, but it's just if the bank was properly noticed and there weren't issues, other issues, um, which it's too complicated to get into, but um, there are times when the bank, for whatever reason, maybe they've already been, you know, 2008 happened and they're no longer around and the people that have taken over don't care or whatever. There are times when, you know, the bank just steps back and then if you if they step back, it's like, you know, only a couple months and we're done because we're basically getting a default or they're just claiming interest. So it's a very quick process. Interesting. Those are few and far between. <laughs> well, for a while there, I mean, these HOA foreclosures uh, were being advertised on the multiple listing service and they are being syndicated out to Zillow and Truly and all that. So I was getting more phone calls from oh, okay. investors at that time. Mm-hmm. But the MLS has kind of clamped down and they say no more. You know, it's misleading for people to think that you're going to get clean title on yes. these properties. So I don't even really get calls on them anymore. I'm curious to know, like, where an investor can find them these days. Like... How they find out about them? How they find out about them. Um, I... Don't quote me on it, but I think they have. There's lists like foreclosure foreclosure radar. I think has probably a list, but you have to subscribe, and I think it's like a hundred dollars a month or something like that. But I think they can get a list, and I mean, again, like I deal with the cases that are more in the 2012, 2013 when they're purchasing. But I know even at that time there were lists from the foreclosure trustees that you can just get, not from money. Right. Nevada Association Services, which is still around, um, would put out a list. Okay. So, you, so that might be somewhere to check for yeah. your investors to see, because I know there are lists out there. Yeah, I'm sure there is. I just wasn't sure. Like, yeah. It's not obvious. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Unless yeah. you pay. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> then somebody out there will get it for of you. Of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> right, right. So, well, I mean, anything else you want to add about real estate and the law or real estate and your, what you're, you've experienced? Um, I think that, you know, your services in like forming LLCs for people, mm-hmm. um, I think that's really helpful. There's a lot of investors that want to purchase things in their own name, but Which I think bad it's idea. smart bad, bad, to bad. separate it. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it separate. You yes, know, yes. the home that you live in, maybe you own it with your spouse, but if you've got other investment properties, I encourage my clients to look into and speak with someone like Sarah, who specializes in this kind of thing where they can form you know, a corporation and keep everything separate, have a separate right. bank account, separate everything. Right. And it's just a layer of protection. Yes, so. liability protection, especially if you've got crazy tenants. You never know what's oh, yeah. going to happen, which, you know. And you never know when they're going to appear. It could be in the 4000 a month rental or it could be in the $400 a month rental. Yes. Crazy yes. exists in all price ranges. Absolutely. <laughs> it seems like I've got two clients right now, landlords that are, they're very high rental, like 12000 One was 12000 a month. Or something. Wow. And crazy tenants. So, you know, you just never know. Yeah. <laughs> you never know what you're getting. That's right. So you just got to be careful. That's right. So. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah. And Thank you for having me. And can you give everybody that's listening your contact information in case they want any more information? Sure. So you can reach me at allisonjung.com. That's A-L-L-I-S-O-N-J-U-N-G.com. Or just call me at 702-608-5638. And she's on all the social media platforms. Yeah, you can Very Google active. Me. She has beautiful pictures that come out daily of different houses <laughs> that I see every day. <laughs> so anyway, thanks a lot. And we will see you next time.